0: Amen. What a tremendous hymn. Our Bible reading this morning is taken from Luke chapter 13, and I want to commence reading at the verse 10. Luke chapter 13 and verse 10. Reading, of course, from the authorized version. encourage all who are watching online, if they have a copy of the Bible, to turn to that place and see the words as well as hear them for themselves. Luke chapter 13, we'll break into the chapter at verse 10. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. And said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed. And not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Then said he, Unto what is the kingdom of God like? And whereunto shall I resemble it? It is like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and cast into his garden, and it grew and waxed a great tree, and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. And again he said, Whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven. Which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal Till the whole was leavened And he went through the cities and villages Teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem Amen, we know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing This reading of his own precious and infallible word Now my text this morning is taken from Luke chapter 13 And the verse 13 It reads as follows, And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now I want to preach today on the subject that I've entitled, The Hand of the Lord on a Helpless Lady. Now only Dr. Luke records this wonderful miracle in the life of the Lord Jesus. He was en route to Jerusalem, He stopped at various towns and villages along the way. And every Sabbath day, he would enter the local synagogue and teach the word of God to the people. And on one particular Sabbath day, he was in an unnamed village and town in the land of Israel. So I want you to think of a synagogue now. The men on one side and the women and the children on the other side. Among the women was a a bent-over lady, You can see her shuffling in. She took her regular place at the back. People were used to her. She had been coming for years. This poor woman found it difficult to sit, difficult to stand. Her walk was painful. It was difficult too. It was a big effort, in fact, for her to turn sideways to talk. Eating was difficult. The woman couldn't actually look up to the front. She couldn't eyeball the rabbi or the preacher. She couldn't eyeball the Lord Jesus. And I have no doubt that her youth and beauty was probably gone. She had been like this, the Bible tells us, for 18 whole years. Probably very self-conscious of her appearance. Now according to the Bible, the Lord Jesus saw this woman in the house of God on the Sabbath day. He spoke personally to her. He called her to him. Now, I want you to think again of her shuffling forward towards the front of the synagogue. And what did he say to her? Amazingly this. Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And the Bible says, and he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and and glorified God. And the people were amazed. And they rejoiced in their heart and mind. And I have no doubt the praise was verbal. I, I'm sure the noise was great. Can you try to imagine that scene? And then the ruler of the synagogue addressed the people. Listen to what he said. Verse 14, and the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work. And then therefore come and be healed. And not on the Sabbath day. The Lord Jesus rebuked him. Now the man never addressed Christ. He addressed the people. But the Lord Jesus rebuked the ruler of the synagogue personally. And said thou hypocrite. And he then gave him an illustration on the treatment of animals on the Sabbath day. Taking the ox for example and the cow out to watering. And he applied that to this situation and said this in verse 16. And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Notice he called her a daughter of Abraham. And he added that she had been under satanic bondage for these 18 years and was now loosed. And the impact was that his adversaries were ashamed and the people were amazed. He then continued his teaching that day on what the kingdom of God is like. Now, I was thinking of this biblical story this week because I was thinking of the words, He touched me. He touched me. Oh, the joy that filled my soul. Something happened, and now I know He touched me and made me whole. That's one of my favorite hymns. And I was thinking of the word touch. And I was looking up Bible Gateway that Brother Mark has showed me how to use. And I was thinking of the word touch or touching or touched 159 times in the Scriptures. And many of them, of course, apply to Christ. He touched them. And then I I, I thought of a, 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 a synonym to the word touched, laid hands on. And I discovered there's 16 references, again, many of them to do with Christ, laying hands on individuals. And I thought to myself, this story that's recorded by Dr. Luke, what lessons could I learn from this story? And I thought of a title, The Hand of the Lord on a Helpless Lady. Now, three, four things maybe this morning. I want you to think first of all of the custom of Christ here. Look at verse 10. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues in the Sabbath. 11. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. Verse 12. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. Verse 13. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And verse 14. Now, I want you to think of the Lord Jesus this morning in the place of worship on the Sabbath day. And I have to emphasize there was nothing unusual about this. This is the way he was brought up. Look at Luke chapter 4 and in the verse 16. It says, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Now, the word custom there means habit. Remember, he's now 30 years of age. This is the start of his ministry. And if I take the word custom to mean habit or practice, we would say, well, this was a good habit. This was formed early in his life. And he continued in this habitual practice throughout the journey of life. He remembered the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And as I've said, he's now 30 years of age. And Hebrews 10, 25 tells us, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And again, the word manner means habit or practice or, 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 or custom. You see, the Lord Jesus was brought up to attend the house of God on the Sabbath day. And as a parent, if you're bringing up your children to attend the house of God on the Sabbath day, then I want to commend you in the Lord's name. And I I believe that that children brought up this way will find it very difficult to break that habit later in life. You see, this was part of Christ's lifestyle. And and what is happening in the first century surely can apply to the very 21st century. Even though he's the Lord of the Sabbath, when the Sabbath day came round, where's he found? In the house of God, in the local synagogue, or in the temple. In fact, over there in Mark chapter 1, I believe it is in verse 21, we read these words. And they went into Capernaum, And straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. The word straightway means immediately. Can you you get the picture? It's as if he couldn't wait. And here's the Lord Jesus at the start of his ministry. And whether he's in Jerusalem, he goes to the temple. Or whether he's in the synagogue, the local one, wherever he's at that Sabbath, that's what he visits. See, the Lord Jesus the start of his ministry, wasn't seeking popularity. He wasn't seeking the praise of men. Remember on the occasion where he drove out the money changers and the merchants from the temple? What was his motivation? It was zeal for the house of God. He had a love for the Lord's house. His disciples said, quoting the psalmist, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. He had a zeal for the Lord's house. Used to be a wee man, a friend of Ernie Patterson's, the late Ernie Patterson, used to say to me and from Sandy Row, didn't he forget the church? You see, and the Lord Jesus was misunderstood. He was criticized. There were scoffers. There was scorn. At times even his kinsmen, his brothers and sisters said he's beside himself, he's going too far, he's mad in the head the way he's behaving when it comes to the Sabbath day and the house of God and teaching the word of God. The apostle Paul faced the very same accusation. He said whether we beside ourselves or not it is to God. You see Paul was saying all I do is for the glory of the Lord." And the Lord Jesus could say the same thing. He was full of enthusiasm and zeal for the house of God, especially on the Sabbath day. And I would encourage you young people in particular to be like the Lord Jesus. If you claim to be one of his followers, here's a good habit to adopt. Where do you plan to be in the Sabbath day? No other place than the house of God. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. If you claim to be following in the footsteps of Christ, then that's what you should plan to do. I'm not saying if if you're not well, if if you're in ill health, you're at home or in hospital, or or you're on holidays, as some are this morning. I'm speaking to those who are able-bodied, those who are in health and strength, those who have no real excuse for not being in the house of God. I want you to understand we need to be like Christ. Here's the Lord Jesus. And even if you're called to say, well, I have to work, then by law, remember, you should only be working one out of four. Anything else is personal choice. So you don't have to work every four Sundays. Here's this particular Sabbath day. And there was a woman there. And she met Christ there. And that meeting changed her life. But before we get to the woman, think of the custom of Christ. Think secondly and quickly, the compassion of Christ. Look, look at verse 11. It says, And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity at 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, I want you to think of her appearance. It says, And behold, there was a woman. Think of the word an. There's the, the connection. Behold means to, to look and think. And behold, there was a woman. You see, there was a poor woman in that synagogue who was bent in two. I have no doubt she was in pain. I have no doubt she had difficulty in getting there. Yet in spite of her affirmity, where is she, young people? Men and women, she too is in the house of God on the Sabbath day. She's presenting herself before the Lord. And it was J.C. Ryle that said, How many in full enjoyment of bodily health and vigor allow the most frivolous excuse to keep them away from the house of God? How many out of sheer carelessness and idleness? How many because of seeking pleasure? How many who go shopping? How many go to the golf course or or, or go to the uh, local restaurant or, or or be involved in business? Now, again, I'm, I'm telling you this. I'm not speaking of somebody who's not well and ill health. I'm not speaking of somebody who's on holiday or a little weekend break or, or some work-related thing because work is important. And, and there are work issues because of firemen and doctors and nurses and policemen. And and their works of emergency. And the Bible allows for that. I'm speaking about able-bodied individuals. Who just have no desire. And no thought. To attend the house of God. And the amazing thing is. With all their bodily faculties. With all their health and strength. They never think. That on the day of God. I should go to the house of God. To thank the God of heaven for these physical and material and temporal blessings. Isn't it so easy to take our blessings for granted? And yet fail to remember, as James 1.17 tells us, all good gifts, where do they come from? They they, they come from heaven above. They, They come from the Lord's good pleasure. He's the one that daily loads us with benefits. Isn't it amazing? And it's amazing to me, and that's what struck me. This woman. You think of her appearance bent in two and in pain and difficulty and in agony. And where is she? In providence, she's in the house of the Lord. I'm sure that she was glad in herself that that poor, helpless woman, despite her pain and difficulty, came to the house of God. She's not named. We know nothing about her background, whether she's a widow woman, whether she was married her husband's dead or at home, whether she had a family, nothing about her. I remember when I was the assistant in Lisburn, there was a wee lady there called Mrs Marsh. She was now in the glory. And I loved that wee soul. And I could see her coming in with her blue raincoat to this day. And she was stooped over, almost bent in two like this wee woman. And she walked from Hill Hall Estate to Ballymacash. Almost every Sunday. And back again. Unless she got a lift on it. She wanted to be in the house of God. On the day of God. To meet with the God of heaven. And put it like this. If that woman had not been there that day. Could you imagine if she had said. "Ah, You know what I can't be bothered. It's too wet. It's it's, it's too far. I'm in too much pain. I'll not bother. She would not have met with the saviour. Because he was bound for Jerusalem. He was going from one village and one town till another. And if she had not met the Savior, she would never have been healed. Isn't it wonderful this morning to be found in the place of worship where Christ is? Hasn't he said where two or three are gathered together in my name? There am I in the midst. And you come here to this place of worship, not to meet with me or meet with one another, although that's important, but, but to meet with Christ. Isn't it sad that are some places this morning where Christ is absent? Ichabod's in the door, the glory has departed. But the point is this. Think of her appearance. The woman did not let her physical appearance stop her attending the house of God. And isn't that a challenge to us today? Not only think of her appearance, but think of her affliction. Bible tells us which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years it's bowed together it says and in no ways lift up herself you think of the span of that affliction 18 years I'm sure obvious it got worse and worse during that 18 year period and there was none to help you think this morning of those who are born in sin and shaping in iniquity And the chain of sin being forged. And the journey of life for them. And they can't break free. It's as if sin is taking control of them. And they're they're getting worse and worse. In their thoughts about God. And the things of God. And their spiritual activity. Think about the severity of her affliction. It says. In no ways. Lift up herself. The wee woman was always looking down. I want you to think of her this morning as an individual. I have no doubt she was downcast. Can you picture that? Discouraged, dispirited, none to help, thinking there's no cure for me. There's no comfort for me. She's lost her sense of joy, purpose, happiness. She couldn't look up that day and see Christ. She had no power or ability. Maybe this morning that's a picture of you in this house. You attend church, and that's good that you do. But you're in bondage to sin and Satan. And you can't look up to see Christ, and you were born this way. And and today, due to sin and Satan, you're bent over with loads of guilt and loads of shame. And you might feel like this woman felt there's no one cares. There's no one to comfort. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're hurting desperately. Maybe there's a widow listening to me, or a widower, or a divorcee, and that's very, very painful. Maybe you're facing an illness right now. You've got problems in the context of the family, and you're weighed down with this affliction, and it's severe, and you can't look up. Is that a picture of you this morning? Is it not true of sinners everywhere that they can't lift themselves up to look to Christ? They can't straighten themselves out with their problems. Aren't there thousands of people trying to do that? Church attendees for years, and they discover that all their religion and religiosity, their church connection, the ritual, the rule, the the, um, regard for different things doesn't get them one inch near heaven doesn't help them to straighten themselves out. What do they need? They need a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus. And I'm saying this morning, that's what you need. Here's the Lord Jesus. And he saw this woman in the house of God in need. And you know what? He's so full of love. He loves you this morning. And he's so full of tender, compassionate care. Sometimes we ask, does Jesus care? And the answer is yes. And here's the proof. He sees you this morning. He knows you. Are you bent over in spiritual bondage today? Well, he sees you. He knows you. You see, the psalmist said this in Psalm 38 and verse 6. He made this tremendous admission. Listen to these words. I am troubled. Is that true of you? I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. And Jesus sees you And Jesus knows you Now think of her action Not only of her appearance or affliction Think of her action What did she do? Know the answer? Nothing You see the Lord Jesus Took the sovereign initiative here He's the saviour He's the healer He's the helper This woman made no appeal She could not look up She didn't exhibit any display of faith. And yet he saw her in her need. And his eyes of love and tender-hearted, compassionate care were upon her. Think of her adversary. What did he say? Whom Satan had bound low these 18 years. You, You think of what that meant in her physical personal life Satan and sin had ruined her life, she was powerless and she's helpless the devil had got a hold on her and isn't that the story for many today the devil has got a hold of her. you think of the principle of sin at work in peoples lives, it's got a grip and only Christ can help them to break free you think of the power of Satan who's got a hold on individuals, who's blinded them to the gospel, keeps them deaf to the voice of God, makes sure they stay dead and trespasses and sin, and yet there's only one can straighten them out. One can set them free. One that can lift them up. The Lord Jesus called the devil the strong man. And how many are under his spell and influence and power. You think of those that are in the grip of drink, The grip of drugs. You you think of the alcoholic this morning. The bloodshot eyes. The bad breath. The clothes that are stained with beer. The rough shaven. The speech. Oh, he loves the worst and the deepest died of individuals. You you think of the drug addict. You you, you think of others that have fallen in, in, in great sin. And the Lord Jesus said, you need one stronger than the strong man to deliver you. And there is one, the Lord Jesus himself. Listen to his word. In John 8 and verse 36, he made this tremendous statement. Young people, listen to these words. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Freedom in Christ. Think thirdly of the call of Christ. It says here, if you look at the text, And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. What sort of call was this? This was a personal call, woman. This was a particular call. Thou art loosed from thine infirmity. This was a public call. He was drawing attention to the woman and her plate in the synagogue. And you see this religion and all these rules and regulations and this ruler, they can do nothing for you. Here's the reality. I'm the sole deliverer and redeemer. Isn't it typical of the Lord Jesus? He not only sees, but he issues a very simple, personal, particular, public invitation. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Luke 19 and 10. Paul, writing to Timothy, said, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. You think of this, how many in the house of God, on the day of God, hear the call of Christ personally to them, young man, young woman, particularly dealing with their guilt, their bondage to sin and Satan, calling them publicly in the midst of people and yet dealing with them as an individual. You think of the power of the word of God. And yet how many have heard that and yet haven't taken one step toward the Savior, haven't yet responded. This woman had been like this for 18 whole years. Her religion hadn't helped. The church attendance in the synagogue, the rabbi hadn't helped. And it wasn't complicated. He called her to him. And that's what he does. He said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. It's not the church, young people. You could join the Free Presbyterian Church and it won't save you. It's not the baptismal font. Though I believe in baptism by public confession. That's important. It's not good works. That's just the evidence, not the ground. It's not being a lover of men. It's not saying, but but I believe in God. As many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. This was not only a, a personal particular public call But this was a powerful call Let me tell you something It was all done in grace It was the Lord Jesus that took the initiative He was doing the calling And when he called her once She came Can you picture her shuffling forward to the front And yet how many has he called Hundreds of times And they're now aged And they're a lot older Even since i here at the start and they're now infirm. And they have loved ones in heaven. And maybe someday they plan to join them in the glory. Well, well, if you plan to be in heaven, then you need to come to Christ. You know, what's good to have a connection to the church. And we, we commend that. It's good to have a connection with the minister and say, well, I know the minister. I'm friendly with him. But belonging to the church... Being friendly with the minister is completely different from having a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, remember the Lord Jesus said in Mark chapter 8. He said this, speaking about the souls of men. For what shall a prophet a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him also shall the son of man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his father with the holy angels listen to me carefully the day of your death and mine is getting nearer that day is appointed and that means that if you're out of christ the day of judgment is nearer It's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. There is a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. And I want to tell you, there is such a person as Antichrist. And the false prophet will promote the Antichrist. And the mark of the beast will be uh, issued upon individuals in our day and generation. I believe that. It's most important that you receive him. Here's the call of Christ. He called her to him and she responded. Can you see her coming to the front? I want you to think of that. You see, it was personal, particular, it was public, but it was all powerful because it was the grace of God that was at work in her life. And have you yet responded? One final thing changed by Christ. Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. You, you think of this. The word loosed is very important. Jesus Christ set her free that day. She was being in, in bondage to, to, to the devil. And yet by the power of Christ, she was made a new creature. Wouldn't she be glad she was in the house of God and met the Lord Jesus that day? Because the book says... If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away and all things have become new and all things are of God. And how did he bring about this change? By his word. That word, loose from thine infirmity. The power of his word. And what a powerful thing the word of God is. Over there in Hebrews, Paul says, for the word of God, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God's alive. It's a living word. It's an eternal word. And it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Do you think of a two-edged sword cutting the flesh, cutting into the bone and, and, and blood flowing forth? What will you think of the power of that word as it comes to the heart and conscience? And he not only changes people by his word, but I want you to think of his way. It says, and he laid his hands on her. What a a tender, compassionate Christ. And because of the hand of Christ, the devil had to let go. And the woman was straightened. The Bible says immediately, And only the Lord can straighten souls. You've heard it. Oh, so-and-so needs to be straightened out when they've done something wrong, whether at school or at home. Well, who can straighten the people that are bent? None but the Lord Jesus. Here's this helpless lady with all her need, her life being destroyed by Satan. And she was healed because he touched her. Not only his word, but his way is is to, to put his hand on her And touch And then I want you to think of this His worship It says And glorified God And that's what he wants Because man's chief end is to glorify God And enjoy him forever Let me ask this question Have you been Changed by Christ Because there is a reception Of his word And you can say today in truth He has touched me And I'm different now. I'm straightened out. Because the hand of the Lord was laid upon me. And I'm amongst those that glorify God in truth. The hand of the Lord on a helpless lady. You've got to think of his custom. His compassion. His call. And his change that only he can bring. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to you. If I can help any soul, please feel free to contact me or talk to me.